Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the BBM Global Network with 25 years in broadcast audio and video production. Our passionate team creates content and marketing for the world of Internet talk radio. If you've got a passion, come join us at BBMGlobalNetwork.com. The BBM Global Network. Your voice is now heard. Welcome to MD for Moms with your host, Dr. Carly Snyder. Traditional psychiatry, integrative medicine, or just someone to talk to, Dr. Carly is here to provide moms with personal solutions so that they may experience whole body, mind, and well being at this most extraordinary time of motherhood. Now, please welcome the host of MD for Moms, Dr. Carly Snyder. Welcome. You are listening to MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Snyder. I'm a reproductive and perinatal psychiatrist, meaning I work with women struggling with emotional symptoms throughout their reproductive years. I'm also mom to three adorable, slightly rambunctious at times, but completely normal children. (laughs) This show, MD for Moms, is dedicated to helping women enjoy life more to maximizing health and wellness, and to improving women's relationships with themselves and with others. So I'm going to remind you throughout the show that you can call in and ask us questions directly on the air. The number is 855-856-1380. And, you know, today's show is one where I would call in if I were pregnant because I just gave it away. We're going to be talking to an OBGYN. And I remember when I was pregnant, I had so many questions. So this is a great opportunity to call and ask. We are continuing this series called Mama Docs on Call, where I'm introducing you to other physicians who are also moms. And they're here to provide information and to support and support that's really geared to you and your family. So let me introduce you to Dr. Jessica Katz, who's an OBGYN. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here. Maybe we can start. Can you tell us how you decided to go into OBGYN? Yeah, of course. So I kind of always knew I wanted to be a doctor. Um, I wasn't sure what kind I wanted to be. I had some pediatricians and radiologists um, in my family. Probably going into college, I decided I wanted to do surgery. Um, I kind of, you know, enjoyed quick results. I liked eliminating a problem in a short amount of time. I really liked activities where I used my hands. Um, I went into medical school thinking I was going to do um, a type of general surgery, and then I fell in love with obstetrics. 
Um, I did a one-month um, OBGYN rotation, and um, it just uh, gave me a thrill that I didn't experience with other rotations. Um, I loved being in the OR still, but I just got such a joy uh, being around um, the new moms and watching uh, their delivery. So I decided to switch from uh, surgery to OB, and it was uh, the best decision. There's definitely no greater gift you can give a woman than to help her through and ha- help her have a healthy pregnancy and then deliver her baby. You know, I can't think of any greater experience and gift for a mom it, than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's been uh, it, it's such a unique um, field and, and ability to do that. And um, I'm thankful every day that I get to help with that. Now, what's the what's your favorite part of your job? My favorite part, I guess, I would have to say, just knowing that every day is is I don't know how the day is going to unfold. Um, I have no idea when I go into the office, um, will I be called in the middle of the day to rush to the hospital to deliver my patient? Um, will a delivery, I assumed, um, was going to be vaginal, turn into emergency C-section? Um, will today be the day that um, I get to tell a couple who's battling infertility um, that they're finally pregnant and see the you know tears of joy on their face? Um, um, when I'm on call, um, also, you know, will I will I get called in? Will I be able to sleep through the night? Will I have to um, go in for an emergency surgery? It's just, it's very uh, exciting not knowing exactly what I'm doing every day. It must be a little anxiety inducing at the same time. I mean, I will say, from coming from a different specialty, honestly, hearing it sounds um, exciting. It does sound a bit anxiety inducing. <laughs> Yeah, it, it is at times for sure, um, but for the most part, it's um, it's exciting, and um, I also, um, you know, I like I like that OB Guide has a unique ability um, to follow patients uh, through different life paths. Um, I get adolescents, um, you know, that come see me for care. I get to see them again when they're pregnant. Um, I get to really know my patients um, as they come in for their annual exams, and I talk to them, and I get to know their hobbies and interests and life goals, and um, it's just uh, it's very special. So um, it is um, a field with some anxiety, but uh, very rewarding as well. Now, speaking of anxiety, I think last summer people were very anxious about Zika virus. Um, I remember, you know, I'm in New York and going into the summer last year, there was a lot of concern expressed by my patients who were, you know, pregnant or getting pregnant. They were even, I had a lot of patients who were even timing out, you know, conception based upon the potential that maybe Zika would come to New York, which of course, I don't know if it really did, but what is the state of Zika virus now for the United States? Where, where do we stand? Yeah, so it's really interesting. Um, almost every patient of mine had that exact question about a year ago. I really haven't heard um, that question. I don't know if just, you know, there's less news story about it. I'm not really sure. Um, the recommendations, however, are pretty much the same since last year. Uh, the CDC has this map of um, where um, they consider it to be unsafe for people 
who are either pregnant or planning on becoming pregnant to go. Um, and it hasn't changed in quite a while. Um, I believe right now um, places um, like Mexico, South America, the Caribbean, parts of Africa and India, um, and the um, parts of Asia like Singapore and the Maldives um, are the areas that you want to uh, stay away from. Um, and still they're recommending um, that women who have um, been exposed to it should wait at least two months before trying to conceive. Um, and if their male partners um, have been exposed to the virus, uh, they should they should wait at least six months before attempting pregnancy. Um, the um, best way to avoid exposure is, besides not uh, traveling into those areas, um, wear your mosquito repellent, uh, cover exposed skin, um, stay in the air conditioning or screening areas, and um, treat clothing with um, permethrin. And then, um, that's pretty much the the same um, the same recommendations they were making a year ago. Now, back then, and I guess I don't know if it's changed. They were encouraging women, even pregnant women, to use DEET as a mosquito right. repellent. Yep, Is that still they, the same? Um, that's yeah, still recommended. Um, the an EPA approved bug spray with DEET is the is the way to go for that. And is there any concern about exposing a pregnancy to DEET? Um, you know, I think they've um, they've concluded that any risk is um, outweighs the chance of getting Zika. Right. Um, well, that makes sense. I mean, Zika is pretty scary, and it's you know, I think it's it's a horrible, horrible outcome. So if you can avoid it, obviously. You should. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. You know, I don't, you know, Zika, it um, can create um, birth abnormalities, um, congenital anomalies, and uh, the DEET spray has not been associated with that. So, so yeah, exact, exactly right that the risks um, outweigh that to use it. Are there other common concerns that women, you know, will bring up to you? routinely, you know, things that you hear all the time as just sort of like standard questions? Um, I get a lot of, you know, I get calls every day. Oh, is this medication okay to take versus this one? Um, I don't know how it was in New York, but in Ohio, um, was a bad season for viruses and for colds. Um, I have a lot of patients that were suffering for weeks with, with colds and, um, you know, you're very nervous when you're pregnant. Um, you know, it says every every box has a label. Do not take with your pre when you're pregnant, or talk to your physician before uh, taking this medication. So I constantly get asked about certain medications, um, and especially the past um, winter season. Um, what's safe to uh, take for a cold? And how about for allergies? Because I will say, at least in New York right now, allergies are horrendous, and are beyond. They? Oh, they're horrible. You know, I mean, Benadryl, okay, but that's going to leave you pretty, you know, dried out, which I guess is a goal, but you're going to be exhausted. Are there, you know, can you take Zyrtec? Is that safe? Yes, you can. You can take Claritin and Zyrtec. Um, you can take, like, the Flonase uh, nasal spray with the um, corticosteroid in it for uh, the nasal passage. That helps, too. Um 
you know, least, um, you can at least do like a neti pot, you know, and, and try to do a neti pot every, every night to try to rinse out your sinuses um, that way as well. And what of things like that, you know, women who say, well, I don't want to take a uh, prescribed medicine for my allergies or my cold or whatever, um, but I want to take this homeopathic remedy that I'm told on the internet is safe in pregnancy. I have to imagine women say that some version of that to you regularly. How do you respond? Right. Right. So a lot of women, even though, um, you know, I can point to studies that show that a certain medication is safe. They just, they don't want to use anything. They don't want to take, you know, any risk whatsoever. And that's totally fine. If that's, you know, if that's what, um, that's what you want. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know if anyone's ever asked me like a specific homeopathic uh, remedy. Um, I know that some people, you know, and and it's and it's fine to use the saline spray to um, go in a hot shower to relieve some of the sinus congestion. Um, tea with uh, lemon and honey, you know, and ginger. Um, you know, similar things like if you know you had a cold and didn't want to take any cold medication. Right. I, I mean, I I will say, um, I have a lot of patients who will say to me, oh, this combination herbal supplement, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, I don't know what is in that herbal supplement, honestly, if, you know, especially the combination ones with multiple things in it. So if it were me, I would probably avoid it in that we don't know what is in it. You know, a, a pure herb, if we can look it up, you know, there are various apps that you can use for safety data. But especially I, I tend to recommend for my patients that they avoid, especially the combination um, herbal supplements and the various, you know, tinctures and things, because you really don't know what is in them. Whereas at least if you're going to choose something that is um, a singular product, you can look it up and see, make sure that it's safe. Because, it, you know, yep, completely agree, completely agree. You're exactly right. You have no idea what's in it. There are no regulations as to how much goes in a certain tablet. There's differing amounts of an ingredient from one tablet to another. It's just very um, unknown. Yes, I always tell the story that I, in my third pregnancy, I really, really craved black licorice, and I was walking down the street probably four months pregnant, chewing, you know, chowing down on this black licorice when all of a sudden a bell in my head went off. And I remembered that black licorice was a uterine tonic and it was absolutely not safe in pregnancy because it was going to cause contractions. Now, clearly I didn't eat enough that it did any harm, but I just recalled having this moment of fear, looking it up and stopping eating it. And lo and behold, she's fine. But the point being, be safe. Um, We're going to take a brief break. You're listening to MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Snyder, and we are focusing on pregnancy and the postpartum with OBGYN, Dr. Jessica Katz. And we'll be right back with more common questions and real-life advice to make your pregnancy and postpartum easier. So stay with us. 
Unleash the obstacles that bind you with certified professional coach Joanne Charette, a master practitioner in energy leadership. Joanne can help you break through personal and professional barriers and guide you to a higher level of empowerment and fulfillment. Passionate and dedicated, Joanne engages with her clients on a mutual journey. Her dynamic energy will motivate you to move forward as you partner on a venture to greater results. Isn't it time to make a breakthrough and commit to live the life you deserve? Invest in yourself and let Joanne Charette be the catalyst to the realization of your dreams by making them a reality. Based in Quebec, Canada, Joanne is also a space coach using social media and Skype to work with anyone anywhere around the world. Contact Joanne Charette today at 819-360-3266 or email her at actionrealization at live.ca. 819-360-3266. Now is your time. Animal lover, author, artist, and public speaker, Patricia Daly Life is a Renaissance woman in her own right. A lover of animals from a young age, Patricia lives on a farm in Virginia and has rescued neglected thoroughbred horses, keeping them or finding them safe havens. She is also a published author, and her books document real life experiences that she shares in her passionate stories, taking the reader around the world in a colorful kaleidoscope of life. An accomplished artist, Patricia Daly Life's oil paintings feature animals, portraits, stills, nature, and abstract, and she allows the brush to paint the image in an organic, natural way. A public speaker, Patricia is motivated to continually wonder about life and advocates for all of us to do the same and document our own unique history. To learn more about Patricia Daly Life, visit www.literarylady.com and www.patricialife.com or email her at pdlife at gmail.com. Welcome back to MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Center, and we are talking about pregnancy and postpartum with Dr. Jessica Katz. And I want to remind you, you can call in and ask us anything directly on air. Our phone lines are open. The number is 855-856-1380. So here's a question that I'm asked often by women um, who come into my office and they're anxious and they really, they have terrible morning sickness and they say, well, what can I take? And, you know, it used to be a few years ago, people used to say, oh, Zofran, but now that's not okay, correct? That's that's a hard question to answer. Um, Yes. So for right now, we're trying to not use Zofran as a first line um, drug for people with morning sickness. Um, There was a report showing an association between Zofran in early pregnancy and birth defects of the heart and oral clefts. Um, However, some um, cohort and retrospective uh, cohort studies um, after that have shown no increased risk. Um, so, you know, it's kind of hard um, to know what to do. Um, a lot of patients are already aware that uh, Zofran use can cause these um, abnormalities and don't want to use it. Um, so I'm not really sure how other people and other practices are doing it throughout the country, but at least here, um, medications that we used to give out all the time, Zofran, Reglan, um, we use those as second line um, when um, the first line medications don't work. Um, so morning sickness, I hate seeing patients with this. It's very hard to feel like you can't make them feel better, and it's an everyday problem for them. Um, I would say that 25% are, are pretty lucky. They are not affected. 
Um, 50% of people have nausea and vomiting, and 25% have just nausea. Um, it peaks around week nine. By week 14, as you're heading into the second trimester, the majority of people do feel better. Um, so when someone comes to me saying that they are nauseous, um, they're vomiting, um, you know, we go over the first-line things that they, that they can do. Um, you know, have they been trying um, uh, carb-heavy meals um, with little fat or anything acidic? Um, are they eating multiple small meals? Um, you know, do they have a taste for anything in particular? Um, it, you know, if, if those kind of little diet changes aren't working, um, our first our first main um, medication regimen is a combination of vitamin B6 and doxalamine, which is Unisom. Interesting thing about Unisom is when it was um, created, uh, it was for nausea and vomiting, but um, people became so tired and wanted to go to sleep from it that it is now uh, marketed as a sleep aid. Um, so that's pretty interesting, but... Uh, vitamin mm-hmm. B6 along with Unisam is the first line. Um, there's a medication that's an extended release of that. It's called Diclegis, which is, again, vitamin B6 and then doxalamine, which is an antihistamine. Um, some people uh, benefit from Benadryl, the antihistamine effect of that. Um, some people, um, ginger really helps them. Um, I know personally... I um, benefited from sour candy like Jolly Ranchers. I was always sucking Mm. on a Jolly Rancher, and that uh, kind of helped my um, uh, feeling of nausea um, um, be controlled for a little bit. So when um, those initial things don't work, then uh, we go to the Zofran and Reglan um, because I think that it is more important um you know even if you know even if there was a little increased risk um we very important thing to me is keeping the mom healthy and if she can't eat or drink that's not healthy for her or the baby and the um risk of you know uh, taking zofran um um you know it, it definitely um outweighs you know having to be even hospitalized from uh, not being able to eat or drink anything Absolutely. I will say I, who in general, I don't really eat, can't think of the last time I ever ate, you know, a saltine, except in my pregnancies, those things saved me like no one's business. I walked around with saltine, like the packages in my bag at all (laughs) times. And that just for, you know, the salt and the, the, the pure carbs. At one point, I think it was my third pregnancy, my trainer literally said to me, you are really too sick to train, but I'm going to go out and buy you saltines. And she went out and she literally did just that. Um, because I really benefited from them. That and ginger helps. Um, so those are all really great things. Now, another question is, um, a woman who says, well, you know, I have a, let's say one-year-old at home or a two-year-old or what have you. And she's saying, I want to have another one. Is there is there an optimal amount of time to wait between kids? And in you know, then like the follow up thought is: is there too little time? You know, for the body, is there sort of a time in which it's it's too tight having two pregnancies close together? Is there a spacing? This is a great issue? question. Yeah, this is a great question, and it's not um, such a simple answer. So. 
The optimal interpregnancy interval, that is, um, that is the timing of one delivery to the next conception. That interval is, is, is unclear. There is not an exact, it has to be this, it has to be that. However, there are certain organizations, such as the World Health Organization, um, who um, suggest um, what the optimal timing is. Um, there have been, um, you know, so 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 really, the a short interpregnancy interval is anything usually less than eighteen months. So you want there to be a time between one delivery and when you conceive the next child about eighteen months. Um, some research and studies have shown that if it is less than eighteen months, then situations can happen. Probably won't, but can. And these things include um, anemia, preterm premature rupture of membranes, preterm, preterm birth, um, preeclampsia, placental abruption, low birth weight. Um, those things have been shown with a short um, interpregnancy interval. Um, there's also been studies saying, um, you know, women who get pregnant within a year of giving birth are twice as likely to have a newborn baby prematurely. Um, compared, uh, compared with women who waited at least 18 months. Um, this is also important when you're trying to decide if um, you want to have a vaginal birth after a C-section. So when you have a C-section for the first time, um, even though the uterus is um, sutured closed, it's, um, it needs time to heal. It needs time to um, get strong again. Um, and there are studies saying that um, the optimal time um, to try to have a vaginal birth after a C-section is if the time between delivery to delivery is more than 18 months. Um, it's not a contraindication to try a vaginal birth if you've had a C-section um, less than 18 months ago, but it does increase the chance of having a uterine rupture, which would um, require an emer emergency C-section. Um, so seeing that, even though there are some reasons why um, it's better to wait um, the 18 months, um, you kind of have to look at other things too. Um, and that's where I think it's really important to look at the individual patient and talk about the pros and cons. Um, if you had someone who, you know, unfortunately had a stillbirth delivery, had, you know, has uh, intruder and fetal demise, had to deliver the baby at 38 weeks, and you know, after recovering emotionally, those people wanted to get pregnant as soon as possible. That might be what they need to heal. Um, you know, so to tell someone that um, had a stillbirth and uh, to wait 18 months before you know they conceive again—that's that's very hard to tell someone. Um, similar to someone who's already you know 38, 39, maybe they it took two or three years the first time to conceive, um, that person, it would be a little bit more difficult, you know, to tell them you have to wait 18 months um, to conceive when they're already, you know, their, their chance of conceiving is already uh, lower. So, um, you know, there is research showing that it's best to wait at least 18 months, but there are situations and it's, you know, it's kind of up to um, every patient to decide what's best for them. That, that all makes a lot of sense. Now, another question that um, I have heard many times is, you know, or we, you know, uh, people will say, well, OBs do too many C-sections. 
And as a fellow physician, I always take somewhat offense to that, frankly, because my answer tends to be, well, what, you know, I can't imagine a reason why an OB would want to do a C-section over a vaginal birth, right? There's no benefit for the physician standpoint, right? So I cannot understand why people say that. On the other hand, you know, they make the argument that uh, the C-section rates have gone up and that perhaps physicians are too quick to recommend C-sections because of a, you know, either concern about liability um, being, you know, that they're so risk averse, et cetera. Um, you know, I, frankly, I'm quite biased towards the physician in that as a fellow physician and as someone who, you know, knows many OBGYNs, I guess I, I can't fully appreciate the negative, you know, why someone would think that an OB would, would want to do a C-section unnecessarily. However, what do you as an OBGYN say to people who say, oh, they're, you know, people are doing too many C-sections? No, I, I tell them that I, I can't speak for everybody. You know, I've heard, um, I've heard some, you know, suggestions, oh, the, you know, the OB guy doesn't want to stay up all night. And so they jumped on it or, uh, they get paid more. Um, both of those that are not true. Um, you know, I tell them that I, again, I can't talk for anyone else, but for me, I, I, all I want is for the mom to be healthy and to bring home a healthy baby. Um, if I feel, uh, that the baby is, um, in danger of not having enough oxygen, if the tracing is letting me know that the baby needs to come out sooner than later, then I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And that's all that, that's all that I think about. Um, I don't think that people understand how big of a surgery C-sections are. Some people that elect to, to say, oh, I just want a C-section, or some people who decide to go for a C-section instead of try a vaginal birth after a C-section, totally fine if that's what you want. But some people just aren't really aware of how big of a surgery a C-section is. Saying that, I would not want to, and I doubt any um, OBGYN would want to do um, an, an, unnecessary, an unnecessary surgery because of the risks of surgery. And uh, vaginal births are um, what we hope for every time. It just can't always be done. That makes, I mean, look, that makes sense to me um, and hopefully to others too. We are going to take a brief break. You're listening to MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Center, and after the break, we're going to focus on, you know, what are legitimate things to avoid in pregnancy versus what are old wives' tales? Like, is it really bad to color your hair? Is sushi always off limits? All of this and way more, so stay tuned. Find out. Hello, I'm Steve Fagan, and I'm president and CEO of Fagan Associates, but I'm also a life coach. I'm here to help you reach your dreams, goals, and objectives. As a life coach, it's my job to be your support, to be your teammate, to help you understand what is your dream, what is your life passion, and then together we work as that team to help you reach your specific goals. Life is worth living the best you can be. Working with a life coach, you're fulfilling those dreams and goals is your passion, and it's your way of living. Let me help you do that today. Let me help you really reach the best that you can be as a person and live the life you should be living. I'm Steve Fagan. I'm a life coach, and I'm here for you. Contact Steve Fagan at FaganAndAssociatesInc.com or call 1-800-239-9663. 
800-242-2701. And I'll be glad to help you move forward to live the life of success. Reach your dreams, your goals, your objectives. We can do it together. My Dreams, My Challenges, and Joys is an inspiring book by author Linda Genazzo. This real-life account of raising a child with autism from birth to adulthood takes you on a journey of compassion, love, and hope as it tells the incredible story of a devoted family and their beloved daughter. Together, they faced adversity and never stopped believing they would find the help they were seeking. A breast cancer survivor, Linda Genazzo has a giving heart. With a background in social work with the mentally ill and the homeless, Linda continues to help families in her community. And her book, My Dreams, My Challenges and Joys, brings greater awareness to autism and those families in need. To purchase your copy, visit www.lindagenazzo.com. It's also available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Don't delay. Get your copy today. Good to know. Welcome back to MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and Tune In Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Center, and today we are talking about pregnancy with OBGYN, Dr. Jessica Katz. And don't forget, you can call and directly ask us any question you have, 855-856-1380. So before the break, I alluded to a few things that, you know, are common, common things people try to avoid. For example, coloring one's hair, I think, especially in the first trimester, but I've heard people say, I don't want to color my hair in the entire pregnancy or eating sushi, things like that. Are these true uh, risks or old wives tales? You know, it depends on, um, on what, which one you're talking about, the hair dye. Um, I'm currently pregnant and I do that myself. Um, I would have no problem with any patient uh, dyeing their hair while pregnant. Um, the sushi is a more um, debatable topic. Um, you know, the um, ACOG, the American Congress of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, um, they come out with recommendations, and um, uh, one of their recommendations um, is a um, it's an opinion piece on what is um, – what you should avoid eating while you're pregnant. And raw fish is one of the items that you are supposed to avoid. Um, so, you know, so yes. So I tell my patients, um, you should refrain from eating raw fish. Saying that, um, I know that um, um, sometimes you hear that, um, you know, this is very... Um, disrespectful kind of to um, people from Japan who um, Japanese women eat, um, continue to eat raw fish uh, sushi throughout the entire pregnancy. And there are not, um, you know, a lot of consequences from that. Um, I've also heard, um, you know, um, from a few places saying that if you've been to this restaurant before and everything was okay, then you can, um, you know, you can, you can eat some, some raw fish at that restaurant that you've already um, eaten at before. But the medical opinion is I'm going to um, um, agree with the ACOG bulletin that you should probably refrain from um, eating raw fish. Yeah. I, I mean, admittedly, it was the hardest thing for me, but I, I stayed away from sushi, which was hard. But, you know, it, I, I felt like it only takes one piece of bad fish. <laughs> 
to get you pretty sick. Agreed. So. I actually, my sister brought me sushi into the delivery room after I had my son. Um, that was what I wanted, and um, I afraid from eating it throughout pregnancy, but I had it in the recovery room. Me too, actually, with my my second, because my first, I had him at very early in the morning. You know, it would have been a little impossible to get sushi then, even in New York City. <laughs> um, and my th- my third, I don't even recall. I think, yeah, but my second, I definitely had sushi that night. Now, how about the idea of, you know, the vaccine debate is a big one outside of the whole question of vaccines in kids, which I very strongly fall on the favor of giving vaccines to children. I think that they're, you know, beneficial. And I think the science behind um, that says that they are risky is pseudoscience. Um, However, I will ask, in pregnancy, are there any vaccines which you should avoid? And, you know, in the same vein, are there any, you know, that you should be sure to get in advance of pregnancy? Um, And any you should be sure to get in pregnancy? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So in pregnancy, you want to um, refrain from getting any type of live um, vaccination. So like the MMR, the polio vaccine, um, um, the MMR is the mumps um, and rubella, uh, measles, mumps, rubella, or the polio vaccine. Those are vaccines that are live viruses. You do not want to take those when you're pregnant. Um, or the live flu shot, that's actually the, the nasal, the nasal um, spray um, flu you do not want to get when you're pregnant. Other than that, um, it's, it's okay. You definitely want to get the um, Tdap shot. That's a very important um, shot to get. And now we are recommending that women get um, the shot um, after 28 weeks in the early third trimester. Because what the shot does is it it's, it's the tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis shot. And um, pertussis is whooping cough. Um, I don't know how much of it is in the news, but um, it's, it's increasing in the United States right now. And um, babies are unnecessarily getting exposed to um, whooping cough. And so what, what, what is the recommendation is that every time a woman is pregnant, she should get the Tdap shot. What that does is the, um, the woman starts producing antibodies that um, go to the baby so that when the baby is born, um, there will be some protection against whooping cough until they get their own vaccines at about two months. Um, I also counsel all my patients to have um, their husbands, um, uh, kids, any close encounters, grandparents, aunts, uncles, anyone who's going to be spending time with the baby to be up to date on that vaccine. And they just need that vaccine within 10 years. They don't have to get it every time the woman is pregnant. They just need to be um, um, up to date within the last 10 years on that shot. Yeah, because whooping cough is... It can be very dangerous for a newborn, correct? Yes, yes. And so I just, I, you know, I I really like to um, give my uh, patients choices, and I, you know, I don't really like to, um, you know, be so forceful. But the Tdap injection is some is is one of the things that I'm very um, forceful on that I think it's very important for them and their uh, significant others to get. Um, there's just no reason why you need to bring your baby in the hospital for, for a whooping cough when it could have been avoided. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Now, you know, I have to imagine that 
your patients are not likely to be ones who want to have a home birth, given that they are seeing you, right, and you deliver in a hospital. But what is your view on home birth? Because, you know, my understanding is the number of home births in America is going up right now. Um, but and there there are risks associated with home births depending on the situation, right? And depending on who is present, what do you, how do you feel about home births? So this is very interesting. I just had a patient this morning who came to me from a midwife who delivers um, at home um, because of elevated blood pressure. And so she wanted my opinion on um, what to do for that patient. Um, As a medical professional, I cannot say that I would, um, I would be okay with a home birth. Um, I think that things can go wrong very quickly. I've seen it where I need to um, take the patient for an emergency C-section and I don't have 30 minutes for them to come home or come from home to the hospital. I've seen patients that have a huge postpartum hemorrhage right after delivery that where I've had, a, had to even do a hysterectomy um, a few times because the bleeding wouldn't stop. Um, so just seeing these things that, um, can go wrong so quickly, I just would be too uncomfortable, um, ever being okay and, um, suggesting home birth for a patient. Um, saying that I'm sure 99, more than 99% of home births, there are no complications and everything is okay, but just seeing what can happen, I just would never want to take that chance for one of my patients. And I would also throw in there, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, uh, just, his son was just born with a major cardiac malformation and you know apparently it was noted by a nurse three hours after he was born because he had some breathing issues and was turning cyanotic he was turning a little purple but if you were at home you know and this baby needed major major surgery very quickly right and and i think even before surgery he needed a lot of support, medical support, right, in order to save his right. life. And right. if you deliver at home, outside of anything, you don't have the nurse support. I mean, you don't know, you know, hopefully someone would pick up on the fact that the baby wasn't okay. But if you're not a doctor or a nurse um, and your midwife is not uh, pediatric focused, perhaps, and or maybe they are, but, you know, this is something that is can be subtle initially, you could be running into a lot of risk because at least in the case of um, what Jimmy Kimmel's baby had, Tetralogy of Flow, it is not something that is universally caught in um, during pregnancy in, you know, ultrasound. So that is one other thing to think about when you are considering where you're going to deliver your baby is, you know, right. postpartum, how your baby does. And if there's a NICU, and if the baby needs one, like, well, where are you relative to the NICU? And who's going to be assessing the baby to see if that NICU is necessary? Sure. Right. And, you know, just saying that my opinion is I, I would, you know, I would feel more comfortable that my patients are delivering at the hospital. I've met some amazing midwives. And, you know, like I said, the midwife who um, had one of her patients come see me today, um, she, you know, she does she does home births, but she is intermittently monitoring the baby during the labor and checking blood pressures and doing all these things. And if anything goes wrong, she immediately goes to the hospital. And that's, um, I think, I think that's 
that's the least you would um, want to do for a home birth. And um, I think, you know, I, I think a lot of people, um, they don't realize how great midwives are. So there are, oh, there some are midwives are amazing. Very good midwives as well. Absolutely. And in fact, we had one on the show a few weeks ago, Riza Klein, who's going to come back in a few weeks. And Riza actually was did home birth for years and years. She doesn't anymore. Now she really does um, birthing centers, uh, which are in proximity, if not within a hospital. But, you know, I think she's she's amazing. And there are so many amazing midwives. Um but you also have to make sure that yours is amazing, <laughs> you know, make sure that you are right, that your delivery is going to be safe. Now, right. speaking of safe, switching gears slightly to safe, because I do want, I actually got an email asking this question, asking me to ask you whether Tylenol is safe. Yes, Tylenol, Tylenol is safe. Um, it can be taken throughout the whole pregnancy. Um I don't know if Tylenol works that well, um, um, but it is the safest uh, to take in pregnancy compared to like a Motrin type medication, like Motrin, Advil, ibuprofen. And another email I actually just received a second ago from another listener. She asked, she asked me, what about prenatals? She says that she gets nauseous from her prenatal vitamins. Are they always necessary? We like our patients to take prenatal vitamins because um, in pregnancy, the the mothers lose a lot of nutrients. They go to the baby. um, um, Maybe they weren't replenished since the last birth, so it is good. I tell my patients who can't handle the nausea from or the upset um, stomach from taking prenatal vitamins, take the gummy multivitamins. The serving size is two a day. Take four. If you take four gummy vitamins a day, that might help you with um, your nausea and is going to give you the same amounts as a pill. Perfect. So there's a great tip. Here you go. We are going to take a brief break. You're listening to MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Snyder, and my guest today is Dr. Jessica Katz. Don't go away because she has more info to share. Stay tuned. Jenny Friend is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a certified clinical sexologist, commonly known as a sex therapist with over 30 years of experience in the field of sexuality. She's been a researcher and teacher and is further trained in human development over the lifespan. She's also a published author and a radio personality. Her specialized training in lifespan developments means she can help individuals, couples, and families through difficult developmental phases. Her primary ways of working are through the tools of cognitive, behavioral, and psychoenergetics theories and techniques couples, individual men and women, and families are also welcome. She can meet in her office in Costa Mesa, California, or on the internet through Skype at Jenny Friend MFT. Call 714-210-9200. You can also send an email from her website at www.centerforclarity.org. That phone number again is 714-210-9200. Joseph A. Moylan is the owner of Ion Health, which specializes in very unique medical devices. Ion Health offers biomats, alkalife, and frequency machines. Biomats are a far infrared and negative ion emitting FDA approved medical device. With many different sizes available, you can place them on your bed, on a massage table, or on a seat in your car. It is an unobtrusive way to health. Alkalife machines are water ionizers that cleanse and raise the alkalinity of your tap water, making high alkaline water. 
frequency machines utilize certain frequencies to kill viruses and bacteria. These devices are safe and effective. Coming from a health-conscious background and studying physiology at the Academy of Natural Health, Joseph A. Moylan has 15 years of experience in the health field and wants to help you live a healthy, long life. Visit www.ionhealthbiomats.weebly.com or call 765-520-2988. Don't let your health go astray. Get in touch today. Welcome back to MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Snyder, and today my guest is OBGYN Dr. Jessica Katz. So before the break, and we were talking about, you know, and in the last episode, about some myths versus, you know, truths in terms of, you know, risks in pregnancy. What are some things that you hear um, that are really inaccurate that you would like to uh, clear up for people? Well, I get, I guess I get a lot of um, people that are coming in who have questions um, regarding pregnancy myths, and you know these are these are questions that people have are not even questions that they've heard. You know, if you do a certain thing, you control your baby's sex, or you know, if you don't get pregnant right away, then you're infertile, and it's just. Um, I spend a lot of time educating patients on uh, these things that are not necessarily true. Um, you know, I get a lot of patients that come in after after trying to conceive for you know three or four months, and they're convinced they're infertile. Um, that's pretty. That's the biggest thing that I see regarding um, um, patients in this um, age group a lot. And you know, I tell them, you know, I explain to them. I say, listen, there's only a 15 to 25% chance each month that a, a normal, healthy couple will conceive. Um, so under perfect condi- conditions, a couple will only be successful, you know, less than 25% of the time. Um, and that 92% of couples become pregnant in the first 12 months of trying. So even though it's been three or four months, don't get discouraged. It's normal. And um, most likely you will be pregnant within, you know, 12 months of trying. Um, you know, these people come in for lab tests and ultrasounds and are convinced you know, that, that, that you know, they, they're not going to be able to get pregnant. And really, it's um, unrealistic for um, people to think that they will get pregnant on the first or second try. It's just not, it's just not going to happen for the majority of people. Um, and I think, you know, with Facebook and social media, like everyone's having a baby all the time. Everyone's announcing their pregnancy. And you, you kind of just assume that it was easy for them. But it, you know, who knows, who knows how long it took them to really conceive. Um, you know, who knows if they suffered a miscarriage before this pregnancy. You just, you just don't know. Um, so that is, that is uh, the most popular question I get. Um, when do you send a, a couple to see a reproductive endocrinologist? Like, what's your not, time frame? Yeah, so it depends on their age. Um, so we... We say that advanced maternal age is anyone older than 35, even though that's still um, quite yeah. young. So anyone who has not been successful in conceiving um, in six months after 35, I would probably do some initial tests, and depending on what those tests were, send them in. It really depends how motivated they are. If they come to me 38 years old, been trying for six months, um, you know, the, the usual, you know, physical exam findings are normal. They have, 
you know, monthly periods, meaning that they're ovulating every month. If they're just if they if they really want to get pregnant as soon as possible, I'll send them to a reproductive endocrinologist right away. Um, and then couples younger than 35, um, it's called um, primary if they've never gotten pregnant before, or secondary if they have gotten pregnant before and they have not conceived in more than a year of of, of trying. Um, you know, we first talk about, um, well, how often are they having intercourse, you know, and trying to work, trying to make sure that they're, you know, doing it at the right time of the month. Um, so I'll always get initial labs that I believe the reproductive endocrinologist wants to see um, anyway, so they won't have to order it and, and waste time with something that I can order before sending them. Um, so if those initial lab work show that, oh, the person's not ovulating, or maybe there's a thyroid problem or um, a hormone called prolactin, if there's a, you know, a abnormality in that, then, you know, then I can try to um, help with, you know, if it's ov- ovulation problems, starting them on an ovulation medication, you know, simple things like that. If we cannot, um, you know, in a timely manner, um, appropriate to that uh, couple to figure out what is um going on, then I, I would send them um, at that point. That makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think every preg- every woman wants to be pregnant yesterday if she wants to be having a baby, right? No one likes waiting. But um, the fact that, you know, the likelihood of pregnancy any one month is not all that high, all things being equal. And I also make a really big point to my patients that, just because you didn't conceive last month has nothing to do with this month, right? So, you know, they say, but I've been trying for four months. You know, that doesn't mean anything about month five, right? It's not like you have negative returns exactly. as, as time goes on. Um, nor, honestly, does it increase your chance over time, except to say that, you know, over time people, unless there's an issue, presumably, you will get pregnant. But I think, you know, at some point people like to take the next step and get additional help if it's available. Um, Any other things that you hear that are just completely off, you know, completely off, inaccurate? Um, What, what of this notion of, um, you know, I've heard yesterday, I heard of a, from a patient who waited, she was nine days um, after her due date and she finally went into labor, but she, really, really refused to be induced because she felt that that was dangerous, that induction was dangerous. And she had heard this and read this and da, da, da. What, what of that? Do you ever hear that? Like, like basically induction is dangerous, but going, you know, past her due date is okay. Yes. Um, I've had quite a few patients that just refuse to be induced. Um, and you know, I make them sign something saying, you know, that we went over, um, that, that, you know, my medical opinion is that this is, you know, a safe time to do it. And by waiting, it's not as safe. And just so, you know, they're aware of what um, the risk could be to that. Um, I also make them come in every day, every other day to get uh, monitoring to make sure that, the you know, the baby is, is doing okay. Um, you know, I, I point out the, you know, the ACOG guidelines saying the safest time to deliver a baby is between 39 weeks and the end of 41 weeks. So um, I it's like this in other practices, but, you know, I know for sure in mine that we just do not want our patients going past 42 weeks. We just really feel more comfortable if they deliver before. Um, some people, um, you know, they're, they're just, they're afraid. They're afraid um, 
that in, if you're induced, it will increase your chance of C-section. Um, they are scared that it's going to hurt more. Um, you know, contractions hurt more when you um, have to give Pitocin rather than, you know, contract by yourself. So, you know, I completely understand uh, why these people um, are nervous, and I just hope, you know, um, that by talking it out and you're trying to get to the bottom of exactly what they're worried about and how, you know, how I can help them or, or um, ease some anxiety, um, that's my main goal in these patients. Well, that all makes sense. So if there's one very quick message you want women to to take away, what would it be? Like one sentence, one liner. <laughs> one liner. One liner. Um, you know, so I don't know if this is more peds, but just experiencing it um, this uh, this week again, I think uh, my message to um, moms who just given birth is a fed baby is best, not a breastfed baby. Um, we can probably go on this for an hour. I just really, um, you know, I, I think that breastfeeding is great and it is um, it has a lot of. Um, good, great, amazing things. But if, if it is just not working out or there's a reason or, you know, just please don't be too hard on yourself and um, uh, be kind to yourself and just know that you're uh, a, a baby that is fed is, is, is healthy. And, and that's, and that's what you should, should worry about. Awesome. Awesome point. Well, thank you so much, Jessica Katz. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. Come back next week and every Wednesday at 1 p.m. on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. Next week, we are taking a break from the Mama Doc series to speak with a very prominent interior designer who has worked with people like Nate Vargas, and she's going to help us design a nursery or a big kid's room and make your house kid-friendly without losing your style. Everyone could use this kind of advice. I know I can. Um, so definitely come back and check it out. It's going to be a great show, just like today. This has been an episode of MD for Moms on the BBM Global Network and TuneIn Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Sider. Until next time, be well, enjoy life, and thanks for listening. You've been listening to MD for Moms with your host, Dr. Carly Snyder. Please join us each and every week for answers to the many challenging issues moms face today on the next episode of Dr. Carly's MD for Moms. You've been listening to the BBM Global Network. The ideas, views, and opinions of this broadcast are those of the participants of the program and are not necessarily the ideas, views, and opinions of the BBM Global Network Company. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 